Good morning. There we go. Sorry, youth ministry problems. Hey, my name is Emilio, and I do serve as the youth ministry director here at Christ Central Church. And, and let me just say, if this is your first time here, if you're visiting family and friends from out of town, or if you've been coming for a number of years, welcome. We are so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, this morning is a special morning. As you've seen and as you've heard, this is the first Sunday of Advent. It's a a time where we get to gather and celebrate this important time in our Christian calendar. It's it's the beginning of our Christian calendar. And so today we're going to kick off our series on Advent that we're calling Behold the Coming King. Our hope is in the King who gives us peace and joy out of an abundance of His love. So what we'll do each Sunday as you come back, because you're going to come back each and every Sunday, not just Christmas every Sunday. You'll come and you'll see a beautiful family come up and light a candle. Uh, You'll hear worship that's gonna just rock your socks off. And then you'll hear a message that's surrounding these truths around hope and peace and love and joy. The word Advent itself comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming or arrival. In, In Rome, it signified a ceremony for the coming of the emperor into the city. The city would be decorated for the occasion and a public procession would would go out of the city and meet the emperor uh, or the honored on the road. And then after ritually escorting them back into the city, there would be a festival and games. There would be a speech that was delivered. Other than emperors, uh, Roman governors, as well as bishops could come into the city and be received with an Adventus. And for an emperor especially one having newly ascended into power, celebrating Adventists confirmed the legitimacy of the ruler. For us, Adventists or or Advent signifies a four-week ceremony where we celebrate the coming of the King of Kings, King Jesus. But I can't help but wonder, I wonder if even in these seasons, if we forget who it is that we're celebrating. I wonder if we truly believe the legitimacy of the one that we celebrate, that not only has been born, but will come back. So this morning, what we'll do is we'll spend the majority of our time in in Luke chapter one, uh, verses 26 to 38. We'll we'll read uh, of the angel's announcement to Mary. We'll spend time talking about the legitimacy of that promise using the Old Testament And then we'll remember the promise of all promises, that not only was the Messiah to be born and his kingdom to last forever, but that one day the king, our legitimate and true king, the son of the most high, Jesus Christ will return. So if you're able, I wanna invite you to stand as we hear God's word. This is Luke 1, beginning verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you this morning for the opportunity to come and to worship you and to celebrate you and prayerfully to remember why it is we put our hope in you. So Father, would you speak through your word this morning? It's your name we pray, amen. You can have a seat. If you're in here this morning and and you're a note taker, I have two points. The first one is this, that there was and is hope in the promise of the king to be born. And the second, that our hope is in the promise of the king's return. Our hope is in the promise of the king to be born and our hope is in the promise of the king's return. But can I ask you a question as we start off? What is it or who is it that you are putting your hope in this morning? Maybe you're like me and and millions of others who are putting their hope in Christian Pulisic that he might lead the USA to victory on Tuesday. We need a victory to get to that second round. Come on, USA. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're putting your hope in a job, one that you have or maybe one that you hope to have. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're putting your hope in a person, a spouse, a parent, a teacher, a coach, a child. For me, I'm trying really hard not to put my hope in my children, but it's hard because I'm in youth ministry and my wife's a teacher and one of them needs to pay for my retirement. (laughs) But for you, but for you, who is it or what is it that you're putting your hope in? I ask because if we're not careful, it'll be too easy for us to settle for less. My boys have a sign in their room that says, I want to be like my dad and I hate it. I hate that sign. I don't want them to be like me. In Christ, I want them to be so much more. My hope and my prayer for my daughters is that one day they'll find a person who will point them to Jesus and will love them unconditionally. I do not want them to settle for less. And for the saints that that we read about in the scripture, their hope was in nothing less because their hope was in the promise of the Messiah to be born. So really all of Luke 1 points to that first point, that promise of hope to be born. Luke starts this this passage known as the announcement, the annunciation with the angel Gabriel returning. In verse 26, it starts with in the sixth month. But this isn't in reference to the sixth month of the year, but to the sixth month since Gabriel's last visit when he told Elizabeth, who had been barren, that she would have a son and that they would name him John. Luke tells us how the angel Gabriel visited them and announced to them that they would have this child and that he would be great before the Lord. 
This entire first chapter from verse one to, to the end of it, Luke spends a good bit of time seemingly comparing the birth stories of John and Jesus. And while there are similarities, there are some differences, some important differences as well. Philip Ryken in, in his commentary says this, yet for all the similarities, what Luke mainly wants us to see are the differences. Who is greater, John or Jesus? John's mother was barren. The mother of Jesus had never been with a man at all. John would be a prophet crying in the wilderness. Jesus would reign on David's everlasting throne. John would be great before the Lord. Jesus would be great without qualification, the son of the most high God. John would be filled with the Holy Spirit, but Jesus would be conceived by the Holy Spirit. John would prepare for God's coming, but when Jesus came, God was there in the flesh. To who's greater? Well, Jesus was like John, but superior in every respect, infinitely superior. You see, later in, in the Gospel of Luke, in, in chapter 9, when, Luke, when uh, Jesus is walking with his disciples, he asks them the question, who do people say that I am? And the disciples answered him, some say, you're one of the prophets. And they say, some say that you are John the Baptist. But Luke, from the start of his gospel, wants you and I to know that Jesus is not John. That Jesus is the one whom John was announcing in the wilderness. That Jesus is the one whom John himself was putting his hope in. John lived his life telling everyone and anyone who would listen that one was coming whose sandals he was unfit to tie. John lived his life pointing everyone and anyone who would listen that they should put their hope in Jesus too. The other night our family was fighting about what movie we should watch. I wanted to watch the, the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. It's on Disney Plus, I heard it's really good. Uh, my girls wanted to watch a Disney Pixar movie. My son Caleb wanted to watch some movie about foosball table players turning into real soccer players. We didn't watch any of those because my wife had the remote. And so she chose the 2006 version of Charlotte's Web. I know, aww. If you don't know Charlotte's Web, it's, it's the story based on the book of, of, a, of a runt, of a young pig, a spring pig named Wilbur. The runt of the litter whose desire was to see the first winter snow, whose desire was to not go to the smokehouse. And he was unconditionally loved by a young girl named Fern. Fern took him in and loved him and then put him in a barn and because he didn't know any better, he began to love unconditionally as well. And Wilbur befriended a spider named Charlotte. And Charlotte was amazed that this pig wanted to be her friend and promised this pig that she would do anything in her power to keep him safe. So she began writing words in her web. Some pig, radiant, humble. In writing these words, she, she was drawing attention to Wilbur so that everyone in the town, so that everyone in the county could see what she saw. She was announcing to the world that there was something different about this pig. For John, he wanted everyone to know how great his cousin Jesus was. 
He announced his arrival. He reluctantly baptized him in the Jordan and he even told his followers to follow Jesus. He was letting the world know that there was something miraculously different about his cousin Jesus. See friends, when our hope is in someone, when we believe and love someone, we can't help but point others to that someone. So what would it look like for us to point people to Jesus? And of course, in the verses we read, uh, there's another person who puts their hope in Jesus, who puts their hope in the child to be born. And that person is Mary. When the angel came, she was at first confused, trying to discern why this angel was coming. Why her? And the angel tells her that she has found favor in God's eyes. And then a little bit later, Mary asks the question, well, how will this be? In this moment, Mary's not doubting God. She is not discrediting the validity of what the angel Gabriel has told her. But she's saying, God, I'm, I'm in, but I need to know how you're going to do this since I have never been with a man. And the angel tells her that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her. And he says that nothing will be impossible with God. Friends, do you believe that this morning, that nothing will be impossible with God? Because Mary did. We know this because Luke writes that she says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. See friends, when, when we hope in someone, not only do we point others to them, but like Mary and like John, we long to serve them as well. Mary put her faith and trust in God and in his purpose and in his will. And because of this, she was putting her hope in her son, Jesus. And despite the fact that it seemed impossible, her hope was in Jesus the Son because her trust was in God the Father. Luke is clear in this first chapter of his gospel that for Mary, for Zechariah, for Elizabeth, and for John, that their hope is in the promised child. Their hope is in the one who is the answer to all of the prophecies of old. And that's where a lot of people 2,000 years ago got hung up. And if we were honest with ourselves, that's where a lot of people today get hung up. They ask the question, is Jesus truly who the prophets prophesied about? Is Jesus truly the Messiah? Are these claims, are these prophecies, is Jesus truly legitimate? One of my favorite Christmas movies of all time is Miracle on 34th Street, a movie where Santa is put on trial and they are fighting to prove that he's the real Santa. These next few minutes, we're not gonna put Jesus on trial He's already been on trial and pleaded guilty on our behalf. But my prayer is that by using scripture, that we will prove that the answer to that question, is Jesus the legitimate true king? That the answer to that question is yes. Luke in verse 126 and 27 says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. This line is, is more than just introducing Joseph into this, into this narrative. It's part of Jesus fulfilling the prophecies. In 2 Samuel 7, God makes a covenant with King David, David of the tribe of Judah, David who was chosen by God to be the great king of Israel, David who slayed Goliath. In 2 Samuel 7, 16, God says this to David, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. 
God in 2 Samuel is making a covenant. He's making a promise to David. And that promise is this, that his line, that his kingdom, that his throne would last for eternity. God is telling David that from his line would come the king of all kings who would come not only to rule, but to save. That he would be a better David. And friends, Jesus is the better David. He establishes his place on the throne as the son of God who is seated and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus is the son of God who was born from Mary, who is betrothed to Joseph, Joseph of the tribe of Judah from the line of David. Jesus fulfills the prophecy and this covenant. And soon after this, uh, the angel greets her. And we know that Mary is troubled, confused, trying to figure out what's happening. And the angel tells her not to worry, that she's found favor with God. And then the angel says this, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. One of the most famous prophecies in the Older Testament is this one from Isaiah. In verse 7, 14, where he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. See, Mary, who had found favor with God, who in faith was and had been putting her trust in him, was now to be the one whom Isaiah wrote and prophesied about. And her son would be Emmanuel, God with us. And she would name him Jesus, God saves. And this child would not only, only be miraculously conceived, but he would miraculously save those he came to love. And then afterwards, the angel continues by saying that he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. We already touched on how Jesus fulfills the covenant made with David. But this verse also confirms or affirms the prophecy that the prophet Daniel made. Daniel 2.44, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring to, the, bring to them an end, and it shall stand forever. This idea of, of something standing or lasting forever is, is a foreign concept for us because we're born knowing that nothing lasts forever. Unless you're in the diamond business, Nothing lasts forever. The band Maroon 5 has a song called Nothing Lasts Forever. There's more than one movie on IMDb called Nothing Lasts Forever. We are intuitively born to know that nothing lasts forever. I believe it's because we're all born into a world that we know is broken. Born into a world that we know is not right. Born into a world that is different than what was intended. But the good news is that one day a new kingdom will come, his kingdom. And what the angel is saying to Mary is that this child, Jesus, is the one who will rule the kingdom that will stand forever. He will bring the new heaven and the new earth, and they will crush this broken, sin-filled one we live in now. One day his kingdom will come and it will be perfect. The child who will be born not only fulfills these prophecies, but he fulfills all the prophecies. He fulfills the prophecies of how and where he would be born. We didn't read about it in these verses these, this morning, but we know he was born in Bethlehem, just like was prophesied about in the Older Testament. If you were to continue reading the Gospel of Luke or any Gospel and you read about the death of Jesus, you know that it fulfills the prophecy, how Jesus was pierced 
for our transgressions, how he were to suffer and die on a cross. This Jesus is indeed the one whom the prophets talked about. Conservatively, there are over 300 prophecies about the Messiah. And Jesus fulfills every single one of them. The prophecies are, and Jesus is and always will be legitimate. But it does not stop there. It can't stop there. Our hope is not only in Christ's birth and death and resurrection, but our hope is in the promise that he will return. My second point, the promise of hope to return. We've touched on it some this morning, but when we as a church celebrate Advent, specifically on this first Sunday where we celebrate hope, we aren't only celebrating the hope that comes with the virgin birth, but we celebrate the hope that the Messiah, that Jesus Christ will come back. In the first chapter of the other book Luke wrote, the book of Acts, Luke writes of the interaction directly before and after Jesus ascends into heaven. Listen to what he says in beginning in Luke 1.8. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and the cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. Jesus has just given the disciples his final word. Last week, Daniel preached from 1 Peter chapter 5 on Peter's final words to the church. He talked about the importance of final words. And these are the final words of Jesus to his best friends, the disciples, to be his witness in the city of Jerusalem, to be his witness in the region of Judea and Samaria, to be his witness in the world. And friends, a quick aside, this is his charge to us as well, to be his witness in the city of, Dur of Durham, to be his witness in the region in the state of North Carolina and to the parts of the globe in which he'll send us. And then after his charge to the disciples, the disciples see their teacher, their friend, their savior ascend into heaven, leaving on a cloud. And then two men in robes show up, two angels, and they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking up into heavens? This Jesus who was taken up from you will come back the same way that you saw him go. And the disciples would go back to the upper room and, and would begin praying, I believe, praying with a new hope, knowing that Jesus was coming back. This past week, we, we celebrated Thanksgiving. And unashamedly, I love Thanksgiving. I am 100% that guy who will not allow Christmas music in his house until I've had my pumpkin pie. And my favorite Thanksgiving of all time was actually 14 years ago today. It was me and Hope and my parents, her parents. We were in Milledgeville, Georgia, which is right there in the middle of the state. Also happened to be the day that I proposed to her. Now, if, if I had more time, I would tell you the story of how I did it. So if you really need to know, come find me after the service, I'll tell you. And, and if you're in here, if you're a guy who's prayerfully thinking about proposing, you definitely wanna come, bring a notepad and a pen, cause it's good, it's really good. So I proposed and spoiler alert, she said yes. And seven and a half months later was our wedding day. And we got married on the 4th of July because apparently we were just really into American holidays. And I'll never forget that morning because not only was it my wedding day, but I was scared to death. Not scared of getting married, 
scared because my wife-to-be had said that if she didn't see me crying as she walked down the aisle, that she was going to be really mad. <laughs> that if I was not crying and she got to the, to the stage, that she would kick me in my shins to make sure I did cry. <laughs> no pressure, right? So there I am, and I'm, I'm standing with my brother, Michael, who was my best man and, and five of my best friends uh, from the University of South Carolina, go Gamecocks. Okay. I had to. And we're standing there, and my friend Jason, who's marrying us, is standing there. And then I see the bridesmaids start walking as the music starts playing, and they look beautiful in their dresses. And then the maid of honor comes, and she's just got this huge smile from ear to ear, so excited for her best friend's big day. And then the music changes, and I look towards the back, and I start weeping because hope is coming. Quote my friend Evan, I'm preaching, y'all don't even know it yet. Hope was coming and she was looking beautiful and radiant and deservedly every eye was on her. But her eyes, her eyes were on me. Not simply because she wanted to see if I was crying, not simply to see my reaction, but simply because she loved me. Yes, Jesus is going to come back the way the disciples saw him leave. Yes, he's gonna to come to judge the living and the dead. Yes, when Jesus returns, he's gonna bring and restore the new heavens, the new earth and the new Jerusalem. But brothers and sisters, please don't lose sight of this beautiful truth, that the reason he's coming back, that the reason that he died, the reason he was resurrected was because his love and his eyes are on you. Jesus is coming for his bride. Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the Older Testament and Jesus will fulfill the promise that he will return. And our hope this morning, the reason that we celebrate Advent, our Adventus, is because the King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was there at the beginning and will be there at the end is coming back, not for our end sake, but for our eternity. And our hope this morning, this Advent and prayerfully always, is in Jesus, the one true and legitimate King. So behold, brothers and sisters, the King is coming. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for that truth, that our hope is in the one who will return. And Father, we long for that day. Jesus, we love you and pray this in your name. Amen.